doing the show. We finally found a a working cocktail of service providers and mic outputs and inputs and recording softwares and telecommunication companies. And uh, timing too, you know. I mean, and that, timing. That's been only for yeah. only for us to totally be done with it in three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we couldn't have timed it perfectly. Like the world rediscovers Seinfeld, and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> god, oh my god! If if we if only we would have known three years ago, you know. Yeah. This is this is wild. Yep. <sighs> well, should we just get going? We got a lot to talk we, about. We can, yeah. Why not? All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Apology, Season 9, Episode 9. But before that, uh, don't be you know, too sad that there wasn't a ton of upfront bullshit because, as we alluded to, this was a huge week <laughs> in the world of Seinfeld. And we will get to that in the news portion uh, of the show. But first, what's the deal with stuff? From our last episode, The Betrayal. First, we really wanted to know if Jugdish was actually the correct Indian translation for Jerry. You know what Jerry is in India, and Elaine says Jugdish. Well, I, the way I spelled that, I think when I took notes and when I was looking it up, was J-U-G-D-I-S-H. Yep, but yeah, that's what the captions had as well. Interesting, because Jugdish is not a, a boy's name in India, but... J-A-G-D-I-S-H, Jugdish is. And it's pronounced pretty much the same way from what I was able to glean online. It, so it sounds like Jugdish, mm. but it's spelled like Jagdish. Okay. Yeah. And, and were you yeah. able to find any, like, direct English translation for that? Or, or like, English counterpart, I guess? I really tried to stretch this as thin as I could to make that connection, but I never <laughs> was. So uh, Jugdish is actually probably how it's more um, accurately pronounced in India, but that means ruler of the world. And Jerry Seinfeld's real name is Jerome. We know that. Jerry is, you know, either either derivative or of or a nickname for Jeremiah or Jerome. I don't know if there's any actual Jerry's who are just named Jerry, you know? Yeah, it, it's kind of like any if there are any Tims that are not named Timothy, you know, <laughs> or any Ted's that I'm, are not Theodore, for that matter. I'm sure there's a couple Tims yeah. and Ted's that aren't Timothys or Theodores. My wife has expressed her interest in naming a son Frank, but not Francis. <laughs> yeah, that that makes more sense. Yeah, some some full names have definitely gone out of style, whereas you could probably, you know, make a case for the nickname still. So Jerome, the translation of that is, so I, I don't know if I mentioned Jugdish. That means ruler of the world in Hindi, I guess. And Jerome translates to sacred name. Jerry, as a diminutive of Jeremiah, translates to may Jehovah exalt or exalted of the Lord. And so I, I couldn't even really make the connection that way that they were the same name. The only evidence that it is a translation of Jerry I was able to find is a financial planner who appears to be of Indian descent from Toronto on LinkedIn lists his name as Jugdish, parentheses, Jerry. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I mean, we technically we don't know if it is uh, an English language counterpart or if this guy is a Seinfeld fan 
And he just, like, chose Jerry as an English language name to go by professionally. Yeah, I, and I'm going to say it's the latter. I'm going to say it's a tongue-in-cheek joke by him. But, I, but yeah, we, we really have no idea. I guess maybe I could join LinkedIn Pro and message him, like, <laughs> are you a Seinfeld fan and you just wanted Canadians to stop butchering your name? Or is Jerry really – because you're the only person – I figured there would be, like, a thread of – you know, um, Indian Seinfeld fans on Reddit or something saying like, oh, no, it's not really or it is or yes, I've heard or whatever. But oh, oh no, my guess. I, is, but there's now not. I'm just now I'm just picturing like the subreddit like Indians on Facebook, but like <laughs> Indian Seinfeld fans. <laughs> yeah. What I think happened is it's not, a, you know, a translation of Jerry in Indian or, or hint, I think I think the, I don't think there's actually a language called Indian, by the way. There, there's some discrepancy on that, whether Elaine says, do you know what Jerry is in India? Or whether she says, do you know what Jerry is in Indian? And I don't think there is mm. a language called... Yeah, I don't think there is. I think it's... Um, do they speak Hindi, I want to say? Language in India. Hindi, yes, Hindi. That's the most commonly spoken language in India today. Hindi and then English. So really, probably you could say Jerry in India is Jerry. <laughs> I mean, there's an argument to be made, seriously. <laughs> but I think what they did is, like, because J- Jugdish, as far as I can tell, is a common Indian boy's name. That's what the, the sites that I was looking at read. So my guess is they just needed a common Indian boy's name and just picked one that, that sounded the least or, or, you know, maybe the funniest to them, you know, yeah. in the writer's room. Uh, and if you need any, uh, I think, financial planning done, yeah. Go go ahead and look up uh, Jugdish on LinkedIn there in Toronto. If you're in Toronto. <laughs> if, you, if you're in Toronto and you need yeah. some financial planning, hit up hit up Jerry parenthetical. <laughs> hit up yeah. Jugdish parenthetical Jerry. Yeah, check it out. I recognized in Franklin Delano Romanowski's apartment, I recognized a poster on his wall that says Mysteries of New York. And I wanted to know where I'd seen it before. And I think I even mentioned that this is the case. But the poster is also hanging on Joey and Chandler's wall on Friends through pretty much all 10 seasons. So is that's it really? Why, yeah, that's why it looks so familiar. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Franklin Delano Romanowski, who is that actor and where did I recognize him from? His name is Michael McShane and he was born in 1955. He's an American actor, singer, and improv comic. And he did appear on a show that I used to come home from school and watch in sixth grade when it was on the comedy channel or whatever it was called at the time. He was on the (laughs) British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Really? Yeah, which ran from 1988 to 1997, which also had a bunch of people who made the jump to the American comedy scene like Ryan Stiles and Greg Proops and Colin Mockery. And pretty much all those guys, you know, started on the British version. And then when they started running it in America, hosted by Drew Carey, you know, they were all. Wow. They were, they'd all I, you know, kind of done their I, own I thing. had no idea that Ryan and Greg and Colin, I'm saying all their first names like I'm, I'm best friends with them. <laughs> but I had no idea they started on the British version. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I remember seeing all of them on there. And that's why when they, they made the American version, I was psyched that it was just the, the same dudes. And he was also in movies. So I recognize him definitely from Office Space in 99. He plays the therapist at the beginning of the movie. Did you, have you ever seen that? I have. It's been a long time, though. And I definitely wouldn't just remember a single, like, bit character from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. He, he's the guy who... And it's an interesting reading of this movie, like... Um, because uh, what's his name in the movie? Rob, I think. He gets hypnotized, and then the hypnotist, played by Michael McShane, he dies and isn't able to bring 
Rob out of it. And so that's the whole reason Rob is apathetic towards work is because he was hypnotized and never snapped, you know, snapped out of it yeah. rather than just like <laughs> being sick of his job. And the it, it kind of takes a little bit of the punch out of the film when you realize it all just goes back to that. Um, that's why he stopped caring and why he will, you know, so if anyone was able to ever bring him out of it, he would just go back to like, oh man, I love my job in the cubicle. Um, <laughs> he was also Friar Tuck in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves from 91 with Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. So I definitely recognize okay. him from that. And he was in Tucker, A Man in His Dream, and he was in Richie Rich and, uh, you know, just a few other things, but he's one of those. And but he is kind of a chameleon because I was like, is that that guy? He just looks different every time I feel like I see him. So uh, that's all the homework that we had. Here is some background info on The Betrayal. The episode was written by Peter Melman and David Mandel. Melman was a major writer for Seinfeld, as we've talked about, from seasons two through eight. His name has come up a ton in the trivia section. But he had long since quit the uh, Seinfeld writing team. But his office was in the same building as Mandel's. And one day he visited Mandel and told him about an idea he had for a Seinfeld episode, I guess told in reverse like this. Oh, my and so God. They, yeah, so they let him come back for an episode. And so after they decided on the backwards chronology, they said about coming up with the most bizarre and striking opening possible, which would be the end of the actual episode, in order to entice viewers to keep watching to see how the story begins. And they came up with an Indian wedding as well as the opening shot of Kramer's gravestone with the rest of the episode revealing that he had resorted to faking his own death in order to escape FDR's wish. So that's an idea that, what? of course, ended up on oh. the cutting room floor. Yeah, Man, that would have been great. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, wait till you hear about more uh, another storyline that was dropped, because I think it would have made the episode <laughs> a whole lot better. But so they came okay. up with the premise for the storylines, and then they wrote the episode in forwards chronological order, except the last three scenes chronologically... The first three weren't conceived until the rest of the episode had been written. I think they, that might be a, a misprint or something because the last three scenes are Elaine getting the invitation, which mm -hmm. obviously had to happen first. <laughs> like, but, but maybe the joke, maybe the thing that was actually written was, yeah, right, I'm going to India. Maybe that's what they mean by they wrote that scene last. As just oh, sort okay, of like, yeah. yeah. But the, the other two make sense. Two years earlier with Jerry and Nina and then George and, George and Susan. And then 11 years earlier, where Jerry meets Kramer. That makes sense that they were like, oh, let's, put, let's keep going back as far as we can. So those were added after everything was already done. The other things that were added after the script was done were the reverse chronology jokes, like the sneeze. And you just asked me what time it was two minutes ago. Two minutes earlier. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's only been a week and I forgot about those. I, I even... I was editing the episode that went out last week. I was finishing editing it last night, and I still forgot about those. <laughs> and you bringing it up now just made me hate them all over Grown again. again. <laughs> yeah, well, those, those uh, uh, and they put them in afterwards thinking that they needed them. <laughs> so this Kramer storyline, as, as I alluded to, was continually reworked throughout the process. And at one point, I think this would have been great. You could even combine him faking his own death. At one point, the writers were trying to adjust the plot so that Kramer would independently end up in India. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is there any details up to like what they were going to try and do with the character? Not that I've seen. I think this came from the, the commentary, so you might be able to do a little bit more digging if you're interested. Oh, um, but okay. yeah, so I think that my, my guess is that maybe they were trying to tie it into him faking his own death and like laying low in India. But I would have loved if like, <laughs> you know, maybe he just go like when he started working at that uh, investment firm or whatever and George is there and he thinks he sees Kramer's like, nah, I think it would have been great if he's like laying low in India, having faked his own death. 
and the gang's like, was that Kramer? No. That kind of thing I think could have been funny. Or we just get a, we just get a scene in Jerry's hotel room and Kramer just bursts in, does his yeah. full entrance, <laughs> what, what, just walks over to the fridge like they're in New York. <laughs> and there's, there's no dialogue in the entire scene. But yeah. it's just... It's just the fact that the same thing is happening in India that happens in Manhattan. Yeah, or, or maybe, yeah, he, he comes in and out, and then Jerry stumbles from the bedroom like, is someone out here? Like, I think it would have been, yeah. And, and I, this may even come from the com- commentary as well, but supposedly Melman and Mandel felt kind of dissatisfied about how the Kramer storyline turned out. Or I don't know if that means they were dissatisfied. Really? Or if they were dissatisfied about how it turned out if he had wound up in india i don't know that it's, it's mm. kind of because it says oh, okay. the whole sentence here we go i'll probably cut that yeah it, it, it's a, it, it sounds like I, I i i can tell what you're what you're meaning it, it sounds like they're dissatisfied with the storyline of him potentially ending up independently in india yeah but i think it might like if you take that part out the sentence goes like this the kramer storyline was continually reworked through the process and melman and mandel ultimately felt dissatisfied with how it turned out but that, or you can read it like this: the Kramer storyline was continually reworked throughout the process, with the writers at one point trying to adjust the plot so Kramer would independently end up in India, and Melman and Mandel ultimately felt dissatisfied with how it turned out. I don't know; it's it's a confusing I, sentence. It is. It is. I'm I'm choosing to believe that they were dissatisfied with the India, yeah, the the Kr- Kramer in India storyline, yeah, and that's why, yeah, that's why we ended up where we did. So the betrayal, the episode is an homage. I kind of reference this at the end of the episode to Harold Pinter's play called Betrayal. Imitating its use of reverse yes. chronology as its central plot point of a man having sex with his friend's lover. So they kind of cribbed that from the whole thing, too. The groom, Pinter Ranawat, as, as I mentioned, I think, too, it was named in tribute to Harold Pinter. So Betrayal was inspired by Pinter's own seven-year affair with a television presenter named Joan Bakewell, who was married to the producer and director Michael Bakewell, while Pinter was married to an actress named Vivian Merchant. And the plot of Betrayal integrates different permutations relating of Betrayal relating to the seven-year affair involving a married couple, Emma and Robert, and Robert's close friend, Jerry. Hello. Whoa. <laughs> There's even a guy named Jerry in Betrayal. Uh, <laughs> but Jerry Seinfeld, the character, was not named in homage to the character Jerry in Betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> Playing the long con here. Yeah, really. Jerry, Jerome Seinfeld changes his name back in 1977 or whenever. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to go by Jerry instead of, you know, after my favorite play, Betrayal. <laughs> Pinter's usage of reverse chronology in structuring the plot works like this. The first two scenes take place after the affair is ended. The final scene ends when the affair begins. And in between are scenes in two pivotal years, and they move forward chronologically. So it, it starts after the affair is ended, and it ends when the affair begins, and in between chronologically you see everything that happens in between there so not all in reverse chronology like the episode pinter adapted betrayal as a screenplay for a 1983 film directed by david jones starring jeremy irons as jerry ben kingsley as robert and uh, someone named patricia hodge as emma and other actors who've appeared in the play on broadway include raul julia juliette binoche liev shriver john slattery from uh mad men daniel craig and rachel weiss and actually getting a Tony nomination in 2020, Tom Hiddleston. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and another Marvel star, Charlie Cox, a.k.a. Daredevil. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you want to see the Netflix uh, Cinematic Marvel Universe and the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe intersect, uh, you should have seen that on stage when Daredevil and Loki were in the same production of Betrayal. You know, one of those names stuck out to me, so I did a quick Google search. I had just reaction to the name Raul Julia. Yeah. And it stuck out to me 
Gomez of from course. the Adams Family and Adams <laughs> yes. Family Values, which yeah. uh, may be important later on in the month of October. Yes, uh, exactly. And interestingly enough, um, uh, another one of those actors I mentioned, Daniel Craig uh, and Rachel Weisz were in it, and they're married. They're actually really married, so I don't know what parts they played, but um, it was interesting that they did the thing together. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the brief uh, synopsis of the betrayal. Uh, the working episode, the working title of the episode though was "The Cake Parties," which kind of described the wedding and the birthday party. <laughs> the cake kind of ties them together, so I think I think I like the betrayal better. <laughs> yeah, that's much better. <laughs> <laughs> the wedding invite was drawn from the personal experience of Seinfeld writer Jeff Schaefer, who got a last-minute invitation to a wedding in a foreign country with the heavy implication that he was expected to just send a gift rather than attend. I feel like that's the an underlying motive, if not the sole motive, but an underlying motive in most destination weddings. I think you invite more people hoping that you, you know, you'll just get a gift from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I if I could go back, I definitely would have invited many more people to our wedding because uh, wedding planners and venue organizers, they always say, like, invite way more people than you want there. Our, our venue could only hold, like, just over 100 people. Mm-hmm. So in knowing that, we invited, like... 130 140 people thinking we'd get 100 and i'm i'm not upset by any means with how many people were there but it it was a little less than the the normal like acceptance rate i think there was like 80 85 people there Mm -hmm. but uh, i definitely think they sat out just way too many chairs for for the ceremony (laughs) yeah i don't remember but I remember, I remember, you know, we got there late as we normally do. We get everywhere late, and I remember <laughs> like having to look for a seat and having to sit like way in the back. I seem to remember. <laughs> so maybe they were more full than you thought, or maybe there just weren't four seats together for us. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well, also, I was kind of busy being in my own head the yes. entire afternoon. <laughs> so, so I, I may have like glanced at the at the seats like. 30 minutes before the actual wedding and then never again yeah. and that's just the image that's stuck in my brain <laughs> that could have been it could have been it yeah and everything else is a tunnel vision blur um, exactly yeah, the, exactly the whole... the whole day the whole day is just kind of a blur i know we had donuts at one point <laughs> and i i know we had some technical difficulties on our first dance that's that's about it <laughs> Yeah, every, uh, for a man, I don't know if it's the same for a woman, but the whole day is a POV shot in a <laughs> 80s slasher movie. All, all, you, all you hear is like heavy breathing and like blurry tunnel vision. <gasps> 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 and like moving around and people talking to you and it's all echoey. Hey, Ted, what are you doing? Hey, hey, man, good to see you. <gasps> that's uh that's the wedding day right there <laughs> meanwhile like on top of the heavy breathing you just hear the boom, 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 yeah, exactly boom, yeah boom, very boom, heavy heartbeat Ted, you okay yeah yeah nailed it <laughs> Uh, So guest actress Heidi Swedberg, of course, who plays Susan Ross, had not been on since the end of season seven and had since cut her hair short. 
So if you think that her hair looked a little, I, I did notice it looked a little off, and I just attributed it to, well, it's, I know this is, scene is supposed to have taken place back in season seven, but times change and people change or whatever, but that's actually a custom-made Susan Ross wig that they made for the episode, and I still thought it looked off, so... <sighs> <laughs> oh, yes. I feel like that. How how short was her hair? Because I feel like they could have just done nothing, and no one would have thought <laughs> any different. Yeah, they even could have made someone say, "Hey, nice haircut," or whatever. You know, what do you think of Susan's it's, new hair? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put in a, a single piece of dialogue. It'll be fine. I promise. Yeah, because even the Susan Ross wig left something to be desired. <laughs> what would be what would be the spirit Halloween knockoff of Susan Ross? You definitely need a, a like a thrift store vest, like an old lady vest. You know, she was. Oh, I I I was talking. I was think, think, oh. thinking more of like the name of like the costume. Oh. It, it would be like. 90s sitcom fiance probably or like yeah or dead 90s fiance or something <laughs> dead 90s fiance fuck. <laughs> yeah something like that so due to the immense success of seinfeld certainly by season nine they're still the number one show budget limitations were virtually non-existent and so andy ackerman the director half jokingly said he wanted an elephant for the episode and they got him one. The first scene outside the chapel has a real elephant in it. In case you, I actually went back and watched, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Are they talking about that B-roll elephant?" No, there is a real elephant outside the chapel in the very first scene. <laughs> I I love this. Just like they're 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 on their way out. I I, yeah. I forget. I know we touched on this like when they figured they were going to end season nine. I think it was like halfway through the season, um, or end at nine seasons. But I feel like everyone kind of knows whether the decision is there, that they're probably on their way out, and they're just like, you know what, we're just going to fucking throw things at the wall, see see what sticks, you know? Let's get an elephant for this shot. Do we need one? No. No. Do we want one? Yes. And it totally didn't click with me that, like, there was a real (laughs) elephant in that scene. (laughs) But, yeah. The expression, you can stuff your saris in a sack, mister, which Susan says at the end slash beginning of the episode, and George says throughout, is supposedly in reference to an episode of The Odd Couple called Strike Up the Band or Else. And believe it or not, Ted, I watched about 15 minutes of this episode. Um, oh, no. And I, I, I didn't hear the expression said once, but there's a whole 10 minutes of the episode that I didn't see. And the reason is because I watched an edit of the episode on Vimeo or something, oddly enough, that was like <laughs> a tribute to the work of, uh, there was some guest star on the episode. And it was, so it was only the, ep- the scenes that this guy was in. And uh. obviously 15 minutes of the show, he was in a lot of the episode. A little, wow. A, yeah. He a was. Lot of the show. But, uh, but I didn't hear them say stuff your sorries in a sack. So I just have to find the missing 10 minutes. When Kramer tells Jerry and George that he had been getting dirty lucks from FDR, they asked him if it was the crook eye or the stink eye and that's a reference to season eight episode 14 the van buren boys when kramer said he was given the stink eye and he returned fire with the crook eye do you remember that in the pizza shop when he first runs into him he's like i see this guy giving me the stink eye so i give him the crook eye and then he gets in a fight with the van buren boys oh my god yeah okay (laughs) yeah i had to think for a second Right. Yeah, it's it's a total random Easter egg, but I guess that's what it's in, in reference to. Jerry mistaking Kramer's name as Kessler. I totally forgot about this. Talk about going back in references. It's a reference to the pilot episode when Michael Richards' name, character's name was Kessler. No, wait. Fuck, really? Yeah, I totally don't remember that. We probably talked okay, about wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. Like, the Seinfeld Chronicles pilot or the episode where... 
they're making the Jerry show at NBC because I know that character was named Kessler. Oh wait, wait, no, I think no, I think it really is the actual. They actually mean the pilot episode. Let me see. Holy oh, wait, shit! I forgot all about this. If that's the case, yeah, but same here. yeah, if if it's if it's the episode where they're making the Jerry show, yeah, the the character that the guy is playing is named Kessler. Well, you see, in the Seinfeld Chronicles online script, which is user-generated, it says his name is Kramer. Mm. Let me see if Jerry calls him Kessler at all, because maybe that's what they... Yeah, so Kessler's not in there. Well, fuck. Now we have to start our entire show all over again, start from season one, episode one, and just see if Kramer is referred to as Kessler. Yeah, because the name of the pilot is Jerry, the show within a show. Yeah, and so on, on Wikipedia it says the episode revolves around a fictionalized version of Seinfeld, who's unsure Jerry Seinfeld, who's unsure about the romantic intentions of a woman he met and frets about the meaning of her singles with his best friend George and neighbor Kessler. Okay, so yeah, that is the episode titled "The Pilot," not the Seinfeld Chronicles. The very first episode Talking. of the show is called the Seinfeld Chronicles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, we're we're saying the same thing. That's the first episode of Seinfeld. It was called yes. yeah. Okay. But th- this this article is talking about the episode titled "The Pilot." Um, no, this episode's talking about the first episode of the series Seinfeld. Oh, it. Uh, <laughs> I, we might be saying the same what? thing. I let me just replace the 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 title of the episode is inconsequential. Let me just replace the name. Jerry mistaking Kramer's name as Kessler is a reference to the first episode of the show Seinfeld. In which okay, Michael can- Richards' character's name is Kessler. Okay, well then I'm going to have to go back and watch the Seinfeld Chronicles again just to see, or, or even just listen to our uh, probably yeah. like 18 minute long episode <laughs> about about season one, ep- episode one, yes. and hear if Kramer is called Kessler. I know, I, I totally forgot. But it kind of retcons the pilot and and the name change, like because later on his name is Kramer, and this sort of like, oh, like Mary, maybe Jerry forgot. You know, I forget people's names the second they tell them to me. So he might have, like, looked at the buzzer and went, oh, yeah, that's right, Kessler, and called him Kessler again. And, you know, because, <laughs> you know, that he tells him his name is Kramer, but that 11 years earlier takes place before the first episode of the show. And yeah. And he's yeah. calling him Kessler again. So maybe he just forgot and, and then looked at the button and was like, oh, yeah, Kessler, that's right. But then later on, he corrected himself. Uh, by episode two, he was calling him Kramer. Uh, here's another interesting, weird timeline thing. In a first season Mad About You episode from 1992, so after Seinfeld had premiered, it's established that Kramer initially subleased his apartment from Paul Buckman, played by Paul Reiser, played by Paul Reiser on the show, and that Paul Ooh. Reiser's character had been living in that apartment when he met and dated Jamie, played by Helen Hunt. Paul knew Jerry because he asked Kramer about him, but in the flashback of this episode, which takes place six years earlier than the Mad About You episode, Jerry moves in and Kramer's already living in the apartment. But according to the chronology of Mad About You and the NBC <laughs> Cinematic Universe, Paul Buckman should have been living there at the time that Jerry moves in. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. Oh, boy. Um, do, do I dare ask uh, if we have any news or anything? Uh, obviously, shit. like, the, as as this episode is released, this is all news that came out the week of and leading up to Seinfeld being released on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, holy hell, was there a lot. So, <laughs> yes. do you, you want to lead us off? What, whatever, whatever you've got. Well, the first bit of big news, of course, is that Seinfeld is now on Netflix, and almost immediately... People noticed that they made essentially the same mistake that Disney made when they 
put uh, The Simpsons on Disney the, Plus. The, the fucking crop and zoom. <laughs> yeah. I, I or, or the, the zoom and crop. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Like you can just you can export the videos in a sixteen by nine format and not lose any of the screen. You just add some fucking black bars. It's not hard. Yeah. Do you mean? Uh, like on the side, do it in four yes. three. Yeah, 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 I, it, yeah. It should be in. It should be in four three with the letterbox on the side, whatever they call that. But they, yeah, they, and, and it looks different even than it did on Hulu. But some people are saying it's the exact same transfer as Hulu. It it looks it looks further zoomed in than Hulu yes. was. Yes, it's noticeable. Like shots where you're obviously supposed to, supposed to be over somebody's shoulder, or especially in the yeah at, at the coffee shop. I mean, it's like a close up. Of yeah. whatever no, characters well, talking, and maybe maybe this episode wasn't the best episode to kind of get a feel for how close things are zoomed in because this episode, especially, and we'll get into it later, has scenes that are purposefully for the point of the shot and point of the joke. They are super zoomed in. Yeah, that that's true, but it really is. And from what I know, like they shot on film, so I was kind of hoping that they shot in 16.9 like the transfer of friends to to uh, widescreen is a good example like it's very rare but every so often you see a stand-in you know or you see somebody laughing who wasn't on screen <laughs> you know like yeah uh, but somebody breaking and it didn't matter because in 4.3 they weren't on the shot and now they are I think people are, are more are happier about that transfer than they would be with a, a zoomed and panned version of friends you know, and mm-hmm. be, so because it, they shot on film, they were able to, to to transfer it supposedly beautifully, but but all zoomed in, it just looks grainy. It looks and, bad. Yeah, it looks bad. Yeah, it's not great. I, and I think there there's been such an outcry that I think they're going to correct it just like Disney did. Imagine paying that much money for one of the biggest sitcoms in the entire <laughs> like history of television and fucking it up this bad. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the whole month of September has been all about, you know, that Seinfeld was coming to Netflix and all the promotional materials they put together and stuff. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, uh, now, now is as good a time as any to talk about it. No playlists like Hulu had. Uh, yeah. N- no random episode button. I checked The Betrayal, the episode we talked about last week. No yeah. way to watch the episode backwards like there is on the DVD. No. Uh, no commentary. No anything. It's no extras. It's the episodes... And nothing else. The only extra, that, because there is a separate section titled Extras and More. And yeah. I got hopeful, you know? I clicked on Extras and More, and it's a one-minute video titled Seinfeld Season 1 Trailer, which I thought would be <laughs> kind of cool. It's just the fucking video they put together for its launch on Netflix. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. But I I did notice something else, and I took a picture of this, because uh, there are things that I don't think were on Netflix before. And I'm wondering if this is part of Jerry Seinfeld's overall deal. But uh, obviously there is now Seinfeld. There was Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and there was 23 Hours to Kill. But now there is Jerry before Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld Comedian, and Jerry Seinfeld, I'm telling you for the last time, all on Netflix. Oh, wow. Well, I know Jerry before Seinfeld was a Netflix special, uh, but I don't remember the the other two things you mentioned being on there. I'm telling you for the last time. And what was the other one? I and forget. Com- uh, oh. Jerry Seinfeld, comedian. The movie comedian. Yeah, that's that's the documentary, right? I, I you would know more than me. 
Yeah, I'm thinking it is. He did a yeah a while back. There was a documentary. I don't even know if he had anything to do with it, but it was about Jerry Seinfeld and then this other comic who was just starting at the time, who definitely made his name there, uh, Orny Adams, and he's still you know a comedian at, at, for Jerry Seinfeld is for that matter as well. But uh, he was like a greenhorn at the time and really new, and so it was comparing a guy who was on top of the world with the one just starting out. Um, and it's not a bad documentary. I, I think it's ripe for our Patreon. But I did not know it was on Netflix, but that that's, yeah, so sort of like Disney makes a, you know, a Black Widow collection or whatever, like they've put together a Seinfeld yeah. collection, in other words. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, people are going to want to, I guess, they, it, everyone's going to have Seinfeld fever, Netflix was hoping. <laughs> Uh, maybe um but if you if you have the 4k tier on netflix reach out to us let us know like what these episodes look like in 4k because both tim and i just have the the standard plan we're we're watching them in hd but not 4k Mm -hmm. um so so let us know if you notice anything new or or interesting that you've maybe never seen before Mm -hmm. yeah i'd be i'd be super interested the other bit of promotion that i saw that i really liked was the Brian Cranston, Jerry Seinfeld Lego promo video that they put together. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Seen oh, this? It's God really, damn. It's really awesome. Brian Cranston is like narrating this like now on Netflix. It's Seinfeld like you've never seen it before or something like that. And it's it's inspired by the popular Lego set of Jerry's apartment. And Jerry Seinfeld comes in and it's his head on a Lego body. And he's like, you know, walking around. He like pours himself a bowl of Lego cereal. And, you know, he's got the hands that <laughs> grip. And, um, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It's, it's well done. Uh, I'm just looking at the AV Club article about it titled, Brian Cranston and Jerry Seinfeld devote their considerable talents to this god-awful Netflix Seinfeld ad. I liked it. <laughs> it the, the subhead is, uh, remember that Lego Seinfeld set that people were so excited for? Now, what if that existed in nightmare form? <laughs> It does look weird, but I think they went back to the well with it. Jerry was on The Tonight Show, uh, you know, to to promote Seinfeld being on Netflix, and Jerry and um, Jimmy both donned the Lego outfits or something like that. They both were in Lego form. Oh man! Okay, I'm I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to look both of these up. Uh, the, the Jimmy clip. I'm. I'm gonna have to subject myself to watching Jimmy Fallon to <laughs> yeah, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I. I mean, if I had to pick the two, I would definitely pick Jimmy Fallon over James Corden at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Jimmy's pretty harmless. I mean, he's. That's you know. That's the worst thing about him. The, he's the, the, so... the worst thing about the worst thing about him is that he's annoying. Yeah, I, I guess I don't the, even find him that annoying. I, I guess I just find him like vanilla. You know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, c- compared to James Corden, he's not annoying. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, he's probably the perfect Tonight Show host because he's just so, just like, almost like an Unremarkable? AI. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, if you wanted to write an AI program to host a late night talk show, like, it, that's perfect. It, it's almost like the name of the show is a joke in itself with The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me think of, you know, I mean, maybe he will grow into being as annoying as Jay Leno, but, you know, Jay Leno was, well, he wasn't harmless to certain other comedians but he just seemed like you know he, he wasn't particularly I, I can hear the justice for conan in your voice i know with, i know with that i know i can't believe i'm saying anything even kind of good about jay leno but he was you know again pretty unremarkable and just you know not as absurd or interesting as dave certainly uh, and definitely not as absurd and interesting as, as as conan either that's why you know when people fucked up like kanye or hugh grant 
they went on Leno because they knew it was just going to be a softball and they wouldn't be made fun of. But if they went on Dave, yeah. they would have been like eviscerated, you know? <laughs> it would have just been like uh, Kanye coming on like, look, I'm sorry I, I, I did this thing, this heinous act. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's great, Kanye. Now for our top 10 list of the worst <laughs> things that Kanye might do in the future. Yeah, yeah. They would just, you know, make fun of him directly to his face, whereas Jay Leno <laughs> just lets you have your say and then doesn't challenge you at all or whatever. So ah, a little dalliance about Jimmy Fallon there. Oh, man. Uh, but but as far as other Netflix stuff goes, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. You know, people have still, I think, been checking it out. And the Seinfeld subreddit is is active with memes about it and stuff. <laughs> Um, do, do we have any uh, any other news or anything? Not that I know of. Okay, so if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 49 minutes being exclusively homework and, and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves as though, like I said, we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, we are now on Patreon. You can give us give us a sub over there. We just dropped uh, the first episode of our Patreon exclusive bullshit Halloween month, which is our review of Hocus Pocus with a special guest, my wife, Grace. And <laughs> wife. we have my wife, Grace. Uh, we have something special planned every single week of October. Um, we're doing an extra review every single week coming up this week. Uh, as this episode is posted, we will have just posted our review on The Burning featuring Jason Alexander. And we've got a couple of... on-screen role in 1981. Was it really his first on-screen role? Yeah. God. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we've got got a couple of interesting movies and a couple of surprises up our sleeves for the month of October. You can get access to our Patreon for just five bucks over there. It's patreon.com slash nohugging. Link is down in the description if you don't want to type. If you'd like to support us, but you don't want to give us any money right now, it's fine. Just... Maybe keep it in mind for the future. Uh, You can give us a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you do so, we will give you a five-star rating. Wait, what? If you give us a five-star rating, we will send you a holographic No Hugging No Learning sticker free of charge while supplies last. And I don't normally like groveling and begging, but here's the thing. We've only got a few episodes left until we're, we're done with Seinfeld. We've currently got 39 ratings. I want to bump that up to 50 by the oh. time by, by the time the, uh, the Seinfeld run of the show ends. So if you have not given us a rating, I, I know it's, it's extra time. It's one of those things a lot of people, myself included for a lot of shows I listen to, that are like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that at some point, mm-hmm. and then just never do. Um, if there, if you've ever been on the fence of giving us a, a five-star rating and a written review, please do so. The, the written reviews are definitely what, what we are able to give shout-outs to, and that's how we know, like, who we owe stickers to. But we've got 39 right now, and on the front page of reviews is still that fucking one star. <laughs> I just want to knock that off so I don't have to fucking look at it anymore. So please, if you've been meaning to give us a rating or a review... or a rating or a review, just 
go ahead and do that. Why not? <laughs> okay, all that being said, Season 9, Episode 9, The Apology, original air date December 11th, 1997. I was 4 years, 11 months, and 21 days old. We're so close to my 5th birthday. We Damn. are creeping up on it. And if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, Tim, we have 14 episodes wow. until we become a... Um, should we become... Um, should we watch The Odd Couple, but only the episodes that have a guest star, <laughs> and then only the scenes with that guest star in it? <laughs> Do you even know who the guest star was? I forget his name. Do you name. remember? It, it was no. It was definitely nobody that... The episode was about, so uh, The Odd Couple is about one guy who's really neat and tidy and does everything by the rules, and the other is about like a, a shiftless gambler. Yeah. And, and the ga- so the gambler made a bet he couldn't pay off. But, so the other guy, who's like a very Frasier-type guy who had like a um, uh, acapella group, he talks him into being the band for this Texan guy, the, the shiftless gambler does, to pay off the debt. And that, that, was, that was the episode. And, and the guy he lost the bet to was the guest star. But I don't, know, I don't remember who it was. It, it's nobody that, that we would recognize the name of. Oh, it looks like it might be on. Oh, it's on Hulu. Why didn't I just watch the whole thing on Hulu? Damn it. Oh, well. <laughs> no, I don't I don't remember who the guest star was. Oh, Pernell Roberts. Pernell okay. Roberts. Okay. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I know. So, but but I know they had lots of guest stars throughout their run. So, we'll watch every episode with a guest star. So, not only are we not going to see the episodes, all of the episodes, we're only going to see like half of the episodes, you know. I think it's going to be a good a good I- one. I mean, that's fine. There's a there's a comprehensive list of celebrity guest stars on the Wikipedia page playing wow. themselves and playing fictional depictions. Perfect. And one includes uh, names that just came up in our review of Hocus Pocus, Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall. Wow. I mean, they've been yeah. around for a long time. Well, well, Gary developed the show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I knew he was a media d- mogul. Yeah, d- developed by Gary Marshall and Jerry Belson. And Penny Marshall plays a uh, a fictional depiction character. She played Oscar's secretary, Myrna Turner. Myrna Turner. Okay, so all that being said, if you're looking at TV Guide the night of December 11th, 1997, you are going to see. And I got uh, a few different descriptions here because I have the one that I got from Google last week. And I've got the one that I have from Netflix now. So which mm. one? which one should I read? I say Netflix. Okay. So if you're looking at the TV guide on December 11th, 1997, you are going to see Jerry's girlfriend is naked all day. Period. George clashes with a friend who's in recovery. Period. Kramer changes his shower habits. Period. Elaine's co-worker <laughs> hates germs. Period. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think we'll be able to make that better. <laughs> Do you want to read the Google one just for the sake of it, or should we just stick, stick with that from now on? We'll just stick with that one okay, for now, right. um, because I I thought I had the Google one. I do not. Okay. Well, no, I think that's the you know we we were using Hulu as our, our standard, and then we were using Google, and now I think now that the the move has been made made to Netflix, I'm fine with that. What sucks though is uh, Hulu always told me the original air date before we watched the episode because I noticed that uh, Hulu you know likes TV and. <laughs> Is for fans of TV. Yeah, I did notice that. I was like, it's got to be somewhere around here. Nope. Cannot find nope, it. Nope. Nope. So that's something I still have to Google. Great. So we start with a cold open. And one thing I noticed with this weird zoomed in shot of Jerry in his kitchen, I saw an old Starbucks mug in the cupboard. 
Really? So, yeah, Starbucks mug back Holy in 97. Holy shit. Yeah. Not the only, like, very early major corporate restaurant brand we get in this in this episode, which I thought was kind of kind of interesting. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. That That is kind of... Uh... Kind of weird. So Jerry's in his apartment making waffles, and his girlfriend comes out from the bedroom totally naked, catching Jerry off guard a little bit. <laughs> I loved his uh, just, how about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And did you know this is a TikTok trend right now? Oh, you know, I remember back when, maybe we we're talking about the same thing, back when like lockdown first started and, and couples were home all day, like they, I remember maybe like it was dudes playing video games and the girl comes out oh, naked and yeah. see what they do. Is that what you're talking about? It's not. Okay, I'm, there's something new. Uh, it's not like actually surprising your partner, but this one is, it seems to be all videos of like guys or girls showing off like something nerdy that they like. And I don't remember what the audio exactly says before this, but then there's just a pause and then like they just eyeball like off into the distance, supposedly at their partner being naked and they just go, where are your clothes at? (laughs) Wow. Uh, I did not hear about that trend. But so is there a naked person over there or no? No, it's just one person filming. Oh, okay. So the joke is that you're looking at a naked person that's not there. Where did it come from? The the the, the joke is that the person got undressed and is totally naked because you're showing off something nerdy that no one else likes. That's the joke. Oh, so the person who is talking about the nerdy thing, they get naked. No. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Oh my god! Okay, Wait, just, no, just person, Google it. Just Google okay. it. Let, let me just, <laughs> just try one more time. Just, the the person showing off a geeky thing looks at an uh, at an imaginary naked person, and then yes, the video ends. Yes, okay. there you go. Yeah, it, it's just dumber than I. <laughs> I was trying to make it smarter than it is, but it's just dumber than it. <laughs> you it could you be. cannot apply intelligence <laughs> to TikTok trends, Tim. That's a rule one. <laughs> gotcha. I will not. I will not do that anymore. <laughs> At least there was a funny point to like see how your boyfriend playing Call of Duty reacts to you coming in naked or whatever. Um, but okay, so at Monks, if you if it wasn't clear in the first scene, I can already see how zoomed in this is immediately at, at Monks when normally we'd see a little bit of the over-the-shoulder shot of Jerry talking to George, but it's just like a shoulders-up shot of George's giant head. Yeah. <laughs> Which plays in well to this episode. But George is super impressed that this girl is walking around naked. Jerry seems to be kind of like humble bragging about the whole thing. And George is like, it's blowing his mind because um, he, he's like, it's like you're living at the Playboy Mansion. Meanwhile, Elaine and Putty come in. They are back together, mostly because Putty's apartment is being fumigated. So they're giving it another shot. <laughs> and... I like that that being the, the full reason. <laughs> Yeah, their relationship is so well written. The way they decided to break up and get back together, but uh, Elaine call Elaine got a call from Jason Hankey, who George calls Stanky Hankey, uh, and she got a call. It was an apology for uh, standing him up or standing her up one time, and he's on step nine in AA making amends. And George cannot wait once he hears this to get his apology for the time he was at a party in Hankey's cold apartment and asked to borrow a cashmere sweater. And he told the whole party that he would not lend it to him because he was worried he would stretch out the neck. <laughs> and so he's like, uh, finally going to get the apology for that. I loved um, Jerry saying, 
uh, like, I really think it's the size of your neck. And George just yells, it's my head. <laughs> yeah. And Elaine and Jerry still are like, yeah, but look how big his neck is. They're like really focusing on <laughs> what, he, what he might have been worried about. Uh, over at Jay Peterman, Elaine and the – I called her the Suze lady here. We do get her name in a I did. <laughs> I did, too, because I couldn't remember her name. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely forgot it. <laughs> um, but I called her Suze I, I lady. I literally wrote in my notes, Suze hyphen woman. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know her name. Thankfully, it's the next scene where they reminded it <laughs> reminded us. <laughs> yeah, they're the only ones. That, they're in the, the bathroom at work, and Elaine's like, in this cool and this great, we're the only ones that use this bathroom now now and the Sue's lady looks at Elaine as she goes into a stall and pulls a seat cover and then closes the door up in Jerry's apartment Superman is on the shelf and Kramer is bummed that he missed going to the coffee shop because he said all he had to do was shower and Jerry's like that was an hour ago uh, and Kramer <laughs> is amazed when he finds out that Jerry and then Elaine who enters a little bit later their, their showers take 10 minutes and we find out Elaine is insulted by Peggy. That's her name. Uh, mm. Elaine is insulted by Peggy get, grabbing the seat protector because they're the only two women on the floor. They're the only two women who use it. They're practically roommates. And Jerry's like, well, maybe, you know, she just practices good hygiene. And Kramer starts trying to trim his shower routine out uh, as he writes it down on paper. Well, we get uh, we get the line also. Elaine asks Jerry, would you use a seat protector if you had a roommate? Mm-hmm. Which coincided with him looking over at Kramer like trying to open a bottle of soda but also shaking it and it's just foaming and fizzing <laughs> everywhere and spitting all over the side of the fridge and yeah. uh Jerry just says I think the damage is already done <laughs> yeah. in Jerry's apartment later Jerry and his girlfriend are playing naked scrabble and Jerry is <laughs> enjoying the nudity until uh, his girlfriend walks over to the kitchen and starts coughing and then Jerry is disgusted. <laughs> Over at Monks, he is explaining to George that naked coughing is a turnoff. And George, I'm in George's camp through this whole thing. Well, not through this whole thing. because for somehow Jerry is able to convince George from his way of thinking. But I agree with George. Everything goes with naked. <laughs> but Jerry says there's good naked and bad naked. Naked hairbrushing, good. Naked crouching, bad. And I, I got to disagree with Jerry on every count. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I, th- I think I'm with you there. I, there's definitely some things that are bad naked. I guess I mean like maybe you know, but but it's but it's anything bad clothed is also going to be bad naked. I'll say that like <laughs> getting uh, stung by a bunch of bees or like watching somebody get stung by bees or whatever like i just can't think of any you know whether it's coughing i can't think of any normal situation or unremarkable situation where naked is not better than or where naked is not better than clothed you know like i, mean, I wouldn't want yeah. i wouldn't want to sneeze naked i i would have no problem looking at and and this is like jerry's problem he doesn't want to look at this woman coughing or sneezing like i i would yeah i got no problem maybe i'm thinking of like me doing these things naked and not like watching someone do these things naked yeah you know i, I think that's I, way... I know i know like I, I know like i wouldn't want to do a lot of these things naked but like i'm jiggly all over like <laughs> I, I've, I've got i've got i've got a bit of a belly now yeah i've got uh i've got my dad bod that my my totally unearned dad bod <laughs> And this, I agree with Elaine later on in the episode where, like, I'm also not talking about, like, I don't think I, I don't think I look good doing anything naked, but certainly Jerry's girlfriend or, like, you know, any beautiful woman. Like, I'm in George's camp where it's like, do you know how much of my mental power goes to just imagining women naked? (laughs) (laughs) I think Jerry just, you know, is looking a gift horse in the mouth or wherever 
he might happen to be looking. Um, and, and I've always, from when I was 16 and watching this episode until now, completely disagreed. In every instance that Jerry is disgusted by this naked, beautiful woman, um, I, I, I will never understand. I disagree completely with his, uh, with his thesis statement. And so Jason Hankey comes over, and it's James Spader. I I didn't recognize him at all. You gotta be you gotta be kidding me, James Spader. Even as what's a he, fan what's of he the been Office, in? I mean, he was Robert California on The Office for like two or three seasons. Okay, I I didn't watch The Office. Oh wow, how did I've, I I've seen you call yourself I've a seen young like, millennial? Jeez, <laughs> I've seen the first season and yeah. like a few episodes of season two. It's it's one of the many many shows that grace and i started on netflix and then i at one point was like hey do you want to keep watching the office and she's like "Mm, no but (laughs) she's seen it all i haven't yeah so so it's she she has no desire to keep watching it she got what she wanted in watching it for like a day or two but i'm like i want to keep watching this i've never seen it and then it's just well (laughs) now i can't watch it without her because she'll get mad at me well i mean this guy has i mean this is definitely a cameo because oh, I heard Grace. Uh, did he have, she have some input on that? Yeah, she yelled at me. <laughs> um, this this was definitely a cameo because this guy had already been in just a ton of stuff. Like he was, you know, you could make the case that he was a part of the Rat Pack. I'm sorry, the Brat Pack back in the '80s because he did start in movies that um, like Diner, and he was in Pretty in Pink, and he was in. Um, I, was he in? No, he wasn't in Saint Elmo's Fire. I don't think. But oh, he was in Wall Street. Uh, he was, he's the voice of Ultron in the Avengers, uh, much oh, later, shit. of course, in his career. Yeah. He's in another, uh, movie that was referenced in the Seinfeld universe, Wolf with Jack Nicholson. Uh, he was in less than zero back in 87. He was in mannequin. I forgot about that. Uh, he was in sex lies and videotape and he was in, um, the weird movie where people get turned on about by auto crashes called crash, not the Oscar winning movie about race relations crash um but he got a lot of attention like he had a, a sort of a um so he was in stuff like pretty in pink back in like 86 but then he had another sort of i feel like renaissance when he was in sex lies and videotape which is like steven soderbergh's burst onto the scene uh in 89 and Bl- the blacklist boston legal stargate uh secretary with maggie gyllenhaal a lot of people talk about that movie the practice so yeah i mean this guy has just been a you know a, a solid worker for um oh, ever geez. since his, yeah back in the 80s so yeah definite cameo and i just did the dive that we don't have to do next week now <laughs> <laughs> um it, but it is a weird cameo because you know and for sure he was still a popular actor but um it's just a just kind of out of nowhere james spader for no reason and he apologizes to jerry because when they first met he thought his name was gary and he might have even called him gary a couple times and so he just wanted to say he's sorry and Jerry says, I did notice, and thank you for apologizing. And then he kind of glances at George, but then he's just like, all right, see you guys later. And he walks out. <laughs> <laughs> and I love just how innocuous his apology, like, I would imagine the purpose of step nine in the program is to like, you know, oh, I'm I'm sorry that I, I crashed your car when I stole it when I was high or whatever, you know, like, but he's yeah. like, I, yeah. I thought your name was Gary and I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that's so... And, uh, and and arguably not as bad as what he did do to George, make fun of him in front of an entire party when he was drunk, probably. <laughs> and it's just so funny how innocuous his his um, transgression against Gary, uh, Jerry was. I even called him Gary. Um, <laughs> you know, isn't that interesting that Parks and Rec, have you seen that? Nope. 
Oh, okay, never mind. Anyway, there's a there's a character everybody calls Jerry, but I think his real name is Gary, interestingly enough. <laughs> Up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer comes in, and he's psyched because he has his shower down to 27 minutes. I just took a 27-minute shower, but he's still covered in lather. <laughs> uh, so he obviously didn't rinse or something. And he wants to get tips from Jerry, and he wants it to be he wants him to actually like shower and show him how he does it. But Jerry's <laughs> like, no, I told you this is a dry run. Uh, and George comes in and he says that Hanky is on step 10. So he's done making amends and apologizing to everybody he has to. And that means George is not getting his apology. Over at Jay Peterman, Elaine is in uh, some sort of pitch meeting or something with Peggy. And she touches Peggy's full water bottle to sort of move it to spread this thing out on a table. And Peggy trashes that bottle and says she's going to get another one but walter who we saw um a couple episodes ago introducing the new guy uh who sidled everywhere um walter's like oh here take mine i'm almost done with it and starts (laughs) drinking out of his used water bottle (laughs) did did you see like i i didn't see her touching like all of the water bottle i saw her just kind of like brush against it as she was like unfurling this rolled up diagram she like did she like did she grab it and pick it up yeah, she picks it up kind of by the by the lid or whatever, by the top part oh, anyway, okay. and then places it okay. somewhere else. And so she picks it up and, and just puts the whole thing. So it wasn't even open, and she, she's still throwing the whole thing out. <laughs> it, it, was a, it had the top on it, even if it had, had some, you know, already drank out of it. Um, and she just throws it all out and then drinks Walter, the end of Walter's bottle that is basically probably all backwash. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Over at Monks, George confronts Jason Hankey, who is with a couple of other people and gives a very sarcastic apology again in front of this audience that is <laughs> laughing at George's expense. I, I loved I because obviously like they need Jason to be sitting down talking to somebody. Yeah. And they're like, okay, what do we what do we do here? Oh, he's gonna be talking to ice cream men. <laughs> and and they're like, guys, I just can't take the job. I know the money's great, but I don't I don't see myself working in in ice cream. <laughs> and one of the benefits is one of the guys says, You get pretty buff forearms. <laughs> and I liked his response. What if I'm not into that? <laughs> <laughs> That would be completely my response. <laughs> I to, don't care. To which, like, to which, like, th- this is the one thing that they, this is the main thing that they bring back to uh, Hanky to get him to join their ice cream empire, and they just go, Meh, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> like they just shrug it off. Yeah, that's why I wonder if these guys were like interviewers or maybe just his buddies, and he was talking about, "Yeah, you know, I got a job <laughs> at this ice cream place, but I don't know." And they're like trying to, yeah, I don't know, because we don't know how far, like. If he's in the program, he might have hit rock bottom, you know, so this might be, you know, a, 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 an entry level well, fast food job like this. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, well, seeing the scene we have later, I'm guessing this is a job interview. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it could be. Although, I don't know, in a job interview, would you take a job interview if you weren't that? in? I mean, would you talk like that if you weren't that into it? You know, it's like, ah, like <laughs> he's almost like being recruited by ice cream guys. If this is a job interview, <laughs> I thought these, I saw these guys more as like just his buds. You know, maybe even other dudes from the program are like, I just never saw myself in ice cream. I don't know. And mm, and they're like trying to say, talking, oh, you he's know, talking you... about he's talking about like the job offer that he got with yes. his buddies. Yeah, uh, that's okay, the way gotcha. I saw it. Like and, you know, his buddies know how far down he's been. And they're trying to be like, you know, this may be as good as it gets right now. And at least you'd have buff forearms, you know, trying to make him look at the bright side of things. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I, I love his quote unquote apology to George. He just says, uh, I'm so sorry that 
I didn't want your rather bulbous head struggling to find its way through a normal-sized neck hole of my finely knit sweater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just, and the, the dudes crack up and George has to walk off. Over at the Westside YMCA, which is still at 5 West 63rd Street, there in Central Park West, it's listed on Google as a one-star hotel, but the Google oh re- but the Google reviews have it as I think like a four uh, a three and a half star hotel. Whatever Google's rating system is, it's almost tops. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: it's it's in a an amazing part of the city, and you'll pay sometimes as low as ninety three dollars a night to stay at the YMCA uh, because I guess wow the, yeah. But here's the thing. So I looked up, you know, if you wanted to stay there the weekend, this uh, episode drops October 16th to 17th. For one night, you can get a bunk bed room with a communal bathroom for 116 bucks. So that's the thing. Most of their rooms are going to are gonna be like dorm room style where there's like a shower and a, and a toilet down the hall. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Which I have stayed okay. at a, a hotel like that in New York City before, uh, you know, when I was like a, a broke college student or maybe just a little bit post-college and yeah i remember it's not great but it's better than you think it's going to be especially for as cheap as those can be yeah for sure if you want a semi-private bath which i think may be like you know two rooms who share one in the middle that's going to be 123 they call that the deluxe bunk bedroom uh and you can get a double bed with a private bath for 155 which again in the middle of central park west bad yeah holy shit that's an amazing deal that I would still jump on as a guy who should be well past wanting to live like that. You know, <laughs> you get to a certain <laughs> age where you're like, I deserve better than this. Uh, but I would be like 155 to stay in New York City per night. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah, totally. I'll stay in a double bed, which is smaller. You know, it's like a full bed. So it's not even a queen. Um, yeah. With a private bathroom for 155. It first opened on 57th Street. I don't know when it moved to 63rd. But it first opened in 1896, uh, the YMCA did in New York. Yeah, this West Side location. But Kramer is there, not to stay, but he is taking notes on dudes in the shower. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This was was very creepy. (laughs) Oh, a million percent. We get someone, like, down in the shower, I'm guessing, just yelling at him, just, hey! (laughs) But uh, Kramer yells back, Oh, I'm I'm watching YouTube, but this guy's really showing me something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's writing stuff down like constant movement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. And so the next scene, we get a smash cut to Kramer showing up at Jerry's with a black eye, and he asks to put a steak on it, which I think he's done before. And I think I remember looking this up as part of homework. So I guess I I guess we won't do it again. <laughs> But do you remember when we were talking about why people put steaks on black eyes? Do you remember this? I remember us talking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it again as homework, but <laughs> okay. it's still something I but don't I, understand. I loved the follow-up to this, though, because as he's got the steak on his eye, he asks Jerry, he's like, you got any A1? I'm cooking a steak. Yeah. A different one. A different steak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it looks like it was in the, oh, maybe not. Might have been the fatigues, though. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought that. Like, Jerry would want that steak back anyway, but Jer- but Kramer also has to borrow all the ingredients to cook a good steak, which, by the way, does not include A1. I know they needed to, like, like what do people, you know, it's a steak sauce, but God, God help you if you put <laughs> A1 on your steak, for crying out loud. Oh, <laughs> I see, I love A1 on a steak. I, I don't want to eat it with, like, every bite, but, yeah. like, oh, my God. It's, it's incredible. It's a good-tasting sauce, and I guess probably the... The steaks that I buy, I should be putting something on there better. But if you if you if you have a good steak and it's cooked well, it shouldn't really need much. 
but I, but it I was agree. A good sauce. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, a, a good, a, a perfectly cooked steak should not need any sauce. But having it as a compliment for like a few bites, you, you can't get any better. Mm-hmm. I think a one on steakums would be good. I do that. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> a a one on like a like a cheesesteak, incredible. Yeah, Hi- highly recommended, especially if it's like a chicken steak. Yeah, I'm fine with that. So Jerry's girlfriend is there, and she has fixed his bicycle, which he says he doesn't even really ride. It's just for show. But she crouches down, which disgusts <laughs> Jerry. I mean, crouching is the one thing that I'm like, just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with naked crouching. Everything, um, I mean, it's just a good position to be in, you know, for a beautiful naked woman. But she does get some of her skin stuck in the bicycle <laughs> spokes or something, which which disgusts Jerry. And then, uh, to top it all off, she struggles opening a jar of pickles, and Jerry is uh, on the verge of vomiting because, as he says, he's seen too much. And uh, hello, Wikifeet. We get a a really good uh, struggle shot of her trying to open the jar of pickles with all of her toes spread apart. Yes. Because that's... The, the muscle that she's straining and trying to open this jar of pickles, apparently. Yeah, all the way down to her toes. I did notice that she's <laughs> she's hot on the late 90s trend of wearing toe rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice toe ring there. Over at Jay Peterman, Peggy tells Elaine. Elaine finally is confronting Peggy about the problem with her. And Peggy tells her that she seems to be with a lot of men. And Elaine comes to the realization that maybe that maybe that's true i liked peggy's response to her she's like but what how is that any of your business and peggy goes it's not bye like i don't care what you do but just let me live my life i thought that was you know that was a live and let live you do you sort of response from peggy you know it's and it really is like elaine's problem now you know and absolutely yeah (laughs) because like uh, peggy she's she's essentially saying like like you said, I don't care what you do. Just don't, don't, don't make me part of it. Yeah, it shouldn't affect me. So I'm making. Yeah. Uh, and 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 honestly, Peggy is taking all the steps to make sure that doesn't happen. She's not saying to Elaine, "Hey, um, don't use this bathroom anymore," or, um, you know, "Don't touch my water." She's she's making sure she's trying to go to great lengths to make sure Elaine doesn't know that it's a problem for her. You know, like she yeah. she threw out her water very silently. You know, and said, "I'm going to go get another water or whatever," but. Peggy's going out of her way to make sure Elaine doesn't feel uncomfortable, but Elaine's not returning the favor, and she rubs her keyboard, rubs Peggy's keyboard on her butt, puts her stapler under her armpit, and then coughs on Peggy's door on the way out, which that hits different in 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the most egregious of all of those uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> October is Halloween month with No Hugging, No Learning. Join us over at patreon.com slash nohugging, where you can get access to a spooky movie review every week of October with someone from the Seinfeld universe. We're covering the film debuts of Jason Alexander and Julia Louis-Dreyfus with The Burning and Troll, respectively, and also Hocus Pocus with Seinfeld legend Bette Midler. You can get access to a full month of movie reviews for just five bucks. Patreon.com slash nohugging. Over in the apartment, George is now two apologies in the hole, thanks to Hanky's riffing apology that he gave earlier. Uh, and George says that, uh, also to, to help solve Jerry's problem, that he should show her bad naked. So this is where George is like, but maybe he's also saying, you know what, if you think there's a good naked and a bad naked, you show her what bad naked is. But this is where I was like, well, maybe George has come around to Jerry's line of thinking, thinking there's good naked and bad naked. 
but maybe he's also just just doesn't care and is trying to help his friend get that belt sander out and do some naked belt sanding <laughs> um and Kramer calls from his shower and wonders why he's been trying so hard to get out so quickly because this is where I want to be. And this is a mood as well. Like, why why are any of us leaving the shower? It's great. Why are we trying to do it as quick as possible? This is where I'm happiest. <laughs> I'm alone. Uh, you know, the, the air is nice and um, clarifying and, and humid for... And, and yeah, why, why, why do any of us leave the shower? This is where I want to be. And yeah, that's the mood I'm in right now. Even though I, even though I've, I've shower probably one tenth as much as I, nor- I used to. <laughs> <laughs> I either want none or all with my shower. Uh, and he's got even a, a, a cordless phone, like a waterproof cordless phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I, I didn't know those were a thing, but I mean, it totally makes sense. And I don't know if you knew this, Ted, but the international color of waterproofness in the 90s was yellow. Anything yellow was waterproof. Huh. Yeah, I had like, no idea. I had a Walkman Sport that was like kind of water resistant or something, and it was yellow and like waterproof cameras. And, and I don't know why they all of a sudden made this the official color of being waterproof, but everything waterproof had to be yellow to differentiate it from the other stuff that was like black and gray. I don't know why. But it, 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 but true to form, his cordless phone is yellow, and it's, it just reminded me that of uh, of that '90s aesthetic. Yellow is waterproof, or sport anyway. And most sports stuff had that, you know, waterproofness to it because I don't know what you're doing as a sport, but <laughs> might get wet somehow. Over at Jay Peterman, uh, there's another meeting, and Jay Peterman tells everybody that Peggy is home sick, and Elaine thinks she's just faking it because of all the stuff she did. And I like this scene where Elaine's like she's just acting like that because i rubbed my butt on her keyboard and put her my stapler and put her stapler <laughs> in my armpit and a guy like looks at her weird and she's like yeah i know she's a wacko yeah, she, she, she accidentally confesses to everything in route to call peggy insane yeah. not not herself the dude's looking this, at her this, like this is, you did this is what? all peggy's fault yeah yeah i know she's a wacko <laughs> totally oblivious over at monks george is meeting with hanky's sponsor because uh, Hanky's bebopping and scatting, as he said, when trying to apologize. And he thinks that he's like, aren't, aren't you in charge of him? Can't you tell him what to do? Drop him down to step two. Let him chew on that for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he invites George to a meeting. Why, why do you meet us? Uh, you know, why do you come to this meeting? And George is like, all right, finally. Great. We're going to be getting somewhere. Over in Kramer's apartment, he's talking on the phone to Lomez while he's washing dishes in the shower and he's also talking to Lomez about Jerry's problem with his naked girlfriend and he's got a TV in there and a radio but there's a problem the shower is clogging with food which was disgusting <laughs> like that yeah. made me that oh made me God. ill Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> yeah all that food down at the bottom of the drain uh, over at uh, public school 75 it says clearly on the outside cover it is a real school in New York City serving Manhattan District 3 on the Upper West Side. It's still at 735 West End Avenue. Uh, it's a K-5 through school with about 479 kids. And uh, the proper name, because not all, you know, all, all schools in New York have that number designation. This is PS75 and there's PS yeah, is whatever, this only, 132. Is this only a New York City thing? Because every elementary school or, or really any public school I've ever seen or ever been to has a name it's not like ps insert number here yeah i, I think it is and i think it's just because it's such a massive school district looking at this one i was like man this is a nice public school and then i'm like 
well, wait a second. It's on the Upper West Side. Of course, it's going to be a nice mm. public school. It's like if you, yeah. you know, <laughs> you can move to, but it's probably in a neighborhood where it's a super nice public school, like probably nicer than the one my kids go to. And we live in a pretty good district. It's probably a nice public school, but it's probably in a neighborhood where everybody sends their kids to private school anyway. You know, you move into a nice school district and then you send yeah, your kids yeah. to private school anyway, <laughs> just to flex. But yeah, uh, and it's it. So some public schools do have name designations as well because this is PS seventy five, but it's also the Emily Dickinson School, named after the famous poet. So I I think they can you know they can have both I guess, but for official oh, okay. designation like in in school board whatever documents, it's just going to be PS seventy five I believe. Yeah, and it's just because I think it's just such a massive school district. They're like let's just try to keep it as straight as we can. But George shows up there for the meeting and it turns out he has been invited and shown up to a rageaholics anonymous meeting uh, which <laughs> makes him rage and he gets chastised for breaking their no yelling policy as he calls the guy leading the meeting a a pinhead and i thought this was a great job by the actor playing the guy leading the meeting because you can see the rage bubbling under when he's called yeah. a pinhead and he's like <laughs> yeah. don't call me a pinhead he's like trying to keep it at bay and i'm like bravo <laughs> the only thing that would have made this better is if later on we saw that guy explode but we we don't oh, but... yeah <laughs> like on george that would have felt pretty good i think every, anyone would have given him a pass to uh, unleash the rage on george <laughs> over at monks george is still raging and i i love his responses to jerry in this scene especially he's like well you know why did he invite you to that or whatever and he's like probably because this whole universe is against me <laughs> And and immediately after that, just to nobody, he yells out, "This bread has season it." <laughs> yeah, full of full of rage. Elaine comes in, and Jerry is still. Wait, did I skip a scene? Oh, I did. Did you? Uh, yeah, in between. Yeah, because in between Kramer's apartment and Public School seventy five in Jerry's apartment, uh, his girlfriend oh, is that's sitting right. there reading the paper naked. And Jerry comes out naked with the belt sander. But before he can even turn it on, she tells him, this isn't good naked. So she does know <laughs> the concept of good naked and bad naked. Uh, but she has no problem telling Jerry what is good naked and what is bad naked. And uh, Jerry being just Jerry being naked is not good naked. So in this scene in Monks, he, Elaine comes in and he's like, what's wrong with my body? And she's like, chicken wing shoulder blades immediately, like does not miss a beat. And he's like that's it and she's like that's part of it what do you want to know <laughs> she has a whole <laughs> list she's ready to rattle off but elaine explains that male nudity is not the same as female nudity the female i've always loved this quote from elaine that she's like the, the female body is a work of art the male body is utilitarian it's for getting around it's like a jeep i've always loved <laughs> that it's such a succinct uh, and, and great example of why, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, where like, you know, me doing anything naked is bad naked. But but the opposite is true for a woman. And, and I, I can't think of a, a situation where it wouldn't be. Better. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. if I'm going uh, if I'm going from the shower downstairs, upstairs to my dresser and I need to grab like underwear and shorts, I feel like an orangutan. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Over in the apartment, Kramer is in his shower still trying to install a garbage disposal. And he's reading the instruction manual and he's very confused. So he calls Putty, who he knows is a mechanic. And I loved when he calls Putty 
he's seemingly just sitting on the couch staring into nothing like <laughs> yeah. he did on the plane that made <laughs> Elaine so upset. He's just sitting there staring like you don't hear a TV sound or anything. Nope. He's, he's just been sitting there for God knows how long staring into nothing. Uh, and, he, and he picks up the phone and he's like, hey, can you help me install the garbage disposal? And he's like, well, it's a big job. You got to. And Putty reiterates the exact first step that Kramer had just read that confused him. Something about the drain and the, the hasp. And he's like, and he got it connected to the whatever line. He's like, oh, no, it, here it says main line. And he's like, what? That's a misprint. What do you got? A Clarkman? And earlier, it, it definitely was a Clarkman that he was trying to install. Yeah, he says uh, you got to connect. Got to connect it to the auxiliary line. <laughs> yeah, well, it says main line. Oh, it's a misprint. What do you got, a Clarkman? <laughs> so he knows the various brands of garbage disposal and which ones are incorrect in the instruction manual. And Elaine owes. Elaine comes in and she missed a message where she owes five dollars for a balloon bouquet for Peggy, who has taken a turn for the worse. And Putty totally understands the situation that Peggy is in because he is a recovering germaphobe. And he even shows Elaine something he wears around his neck that shows that he is a 10-year recovering germaphobe. Kind of like the token that you get in Alcoholics Anonymous, the chip. (laughs) Yeah, it's his 10-year chip for being a recovering germaphobe. (laughs) And it's just like a germ, I think he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's this symbol? A germ. (laughs) Uh, Over at Peggy's, which... This blew my mind, Ted. This is a building at 164 West 79th Street. It's still there. It uh, was built in 1924 and became a co-op in 1978. It's a 16-story building with 60 units, mostly two and three bedrooms, but some have been combined. Uh, And I was like, oh, number 3A is for sale. I always like to see how much. And I was like, this is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath for $1.2 million. But Mm -hmm. I was like, this looks really familiar. I've looked up this apartment before. And I was like, pretty recently, <laughs> the Ronawats live here. They live in the same oh building God. as Peggy. Oh, jeez. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I was like, I, I just looked up this apartment for $1.2 I was like, it's got, a, it's got a playroom, an on-site laundry, and a part-time doorman. <laughs> I was like, what? It's one of those moments where you go to Google and the link is purple and you're like, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember doing this. Exactly. And I had to flip through my notes to see. I was like, where the hell? I was like, oh, the Rana Watts live in the same building as Peggy. How random. So Elaine was like Literally. just there. A couple of epi- last episodes. Elaine ago, was there yeah. last episode. <laughs> it's like, I know two people in this building. Random. But Elaine and Putty are there visiting Peggy. And Putty sort of commiserates about how gross Elaine is and how he's learned to live with uh, his now germ-filled <laughs> lifestyle. And Elaine is, yeah. uh, you know, doesn't like hearing this from Petty and she, Putty. And she's like, we're broken up for the rest of the day. Yeah, he says, 10 years ago, waking up to a woman like this, waking up next to a woman like this would have sent me running for the FISA hex. Hmm. Yeah, I, I noticed that. And I did not go back to see what it was. But we can look this up. I'm guessing it's some okay. sort of antibacterial. It, did you it, look it up? It's definitely something. I didn't look it up. It's definitely okay. something proper because of how it was spelled lowercase p capital h lowercase i s o capital h lowercase e x fisa hex yeah uh it, maybe it was some sort of otc or maybe some sort of antibiotic i don't know heiza hex no fisa hex <laughs> i almost Fis- uh, right fisa hex fisa hex fisa hex okay uh, we'll find out if that's if fisa hex is right for us uh next week in homework <laughs> um so just about how gross Elaine is, how she has these gross bunny slippers that she's worn since college. 
you know, Peggy's interested on how he he got over being such a germaphobe, uh, so much so that he can be with someone as gross as Elaine. <laughs> over at Jerry's apartment, Jerry and here's where I wrote down Melissa. I don't know where we found her name out. It might have been at Monks when George was raising oh, raging. No, yeah, I I forgot to bring this up. It's in the very beginning. Oh, it is. It, of the yeah, episode? it's in the very first scene. Yeah, because Jerry's making waffles, and I I, I wrote down. Jerry making waffles, Melissa naked. How about that? I don't know if he says, uh, "Hey Melissa" or something. Uh, probably. Damn it. We, we didn't we didn't even bring that up. But yeah, it's in the no, very no. first scene. We get her name. Yeah, I've been calling her naked girlfriend the whole time and and <laughs> this is the first time I wrote down Melissa. Jerry and Melissa are in his apartment and now they're wearing clothes and uh Jerry again I he, like He's like, yes, this is normal. Clothes are normal, and I guess I would, Ugh. I would agree with him on that. But it did feel, yeah, it did feel a little groany. Like, yeah, not necessarily. I mean, it's not quite on the level of like kink shaming or anything. But when you, anytime you bring up the word normal, it is going to be, you know, that's just everyone's. Yeah, everyone's got a different sense of the word normal. Normal can be good. Normal can be bad. You know. Yeah. Yes, this is normal. But now that they're no, both wearing- normal, n- normal isn't always inherently good, right? But so now Jerry though is imagining Melissa naked brushing her hair, but she's also imagining Jerry as an ape, <laughs> just like scratching his head, like yeah, like using his full arm to scratch his head. And and Jerry, maybe some of the most physical acting he's ever done is like doing that thing where you like kind of stick your tongue. In front of your teeth, and he's making himself look very ape-like, even. Yeah. Over at Kramer's, um, he's on the phone with Jerry in the shower, and uh, she, they broke up because of the whole naked situation. And it, as he says, I couldn't stop picturing her naked, and she couldn't stop picturing me naked or something like that. So it was not going to work. And Kramer is making a salad as a thank you to Putty for installing his garbage disposal. And this was always a funny non sequitur he's like how do you make those uh radish radish flowers and jerry's like just very matter of factly insert a knife and twist then soak for an hour to blossom or something like that (laughs) and uh i i I always thought that was really funny that jerry seinfeld like the most non-domestic person anyone could name knows how to make a radish blossom (laughs) yeah off the top of his head immediately uh now over at baskin robbins which is that other brand that i think you were alluding to at the beginning it was, and also, if you look in the window, we get a third brand. I saw, I did see a Subway next door. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we get appearances from Starbucks, Subway, and Baskin Robbins all in this episode. The big three. <laughs> Baskin Robbins is still around, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. not nearly as big as it used to oh, be, I think. No. It, it's relegated to food courts, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, it was up there with Chuck E. Cheese as a place oh, I just yeah. wanted to I, go. I've never seen a standalone Baskin Robbins location. It if there if there is like a standalone location or like in a plaza or something, I think it's always mixed with a Dunkin'. It's interesting you say that because this Baskin Robbins was at thirteen ninety two Lexington Avenue, and it is now a Dunkin'. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing same company owns it still. Yeah, must be. Yeah. But the last standalone Baskin Robbins that I saw was whatever it is, eight years ago at this point or whatever in Jackson, Mississippi. There was one on County Line Road um, that I don't think I ever went into. But uh, another Baskin Robbins memory I have as a kid is they used to make 
a clown with like a scoop of ice cream and then the cone on top as the clown's head. And I think I went to a, a couple birthdays where that was like the birthday treat that we got. You know, you'd, you'd get a clown head or something like that. <laughs> uh, it doesn't sound... I'm, I'm trying to remember now how it worked because it, it seems like you'd be putting the, a scoop of ice cream like on like a plate or something. So I, maybe it was in a bowl. I, I don't remember how it worked. I just remember the clown heads. <laughs> you got to got to be careful when you're walking up to someone saying it's my birthday i want some clown head (laughs) (laughs) but this is in the carnegie hill neighborhood and interestingly enough because the the seinfeld universe is mostly on the west side and even then you could say it's mostly on the upper west side this is on the east side well above the upper east side this is at 92nd and lexington oh my god yeah yeah we're way he got a job way up there (laughs) (laughs) way up there on the opposite side of you know where we have seen him heretofore hanging out at monks and stuff so really it seems like he should be lucky he has this job this is where jason hankey works now this is the ice cream shop he he did take a job at and george is meeting jason there and jason you know is telling george that you know I, i my apology in the coffee shop was sarcastic and you deserve better and george says thank you and he says you're welcome but he doesn't say George is like I you know I hate to make this a big thing which we know is untrue <laughs> that's all he's been trying to do that, but, that's literally <laughs> the only thing he ever wants to do is make something a big thing yeah and he's like but you didn't really say I'm sorry you said you're welcome which is nice very nice but it's not an apology so you know if I could just have this apology in the meantime though a kid has walked in and is asking to be served something called Minuteman Mint or something like that yeah <laughs> And you know what? I'm going to write that down for next week. I'm also going to write down, was this kid DJ from Roseanne and now the Connors? I think so. Yeah, I was going to say he looks so familiar, but I didn't know who it was. I think you're totally right. And I'm like, was Roseanne over by this point or still? It must have been. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to. Was this DJ from Roseanne? And we'll see like what in the world is going on. Because I know when Roseanne started, that kid was very young. So I'm like, maybe yeah. Roseanne was already done by 97. That seems early. I thought it ran longer, but maybe it wasn't. So we'll have to figure um, that I, out. I, I really liked in this scene because uh, George confronting Hanky and Elaine confronting Peggy are essentially the exact same thing in this episode because they're taking a problem that they have and or well they're they're taking a problem that they have with someone else of something someone is doing something but the other person in the argument is turning it right back on them because Hanky apologizes he does what George is is looking for but george doesn't hear it exactly the way he wants it so he wants it again (laughs) but i do see george's point because he only said he was like uh you deserve better so that's what i wanted to say you know what so he never really said i wanted to apologize for my blah 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 i guess but that in itself is an apology you don't need to say i'm sorry or i apologize for it to be an apology. I put it on the same level as the apology that goes... Because here's what he could have said, too, in, in, in modern-day parlance. I'm sorry you were offended by my apology. Which is not just an to- apology. Yeah. Just totally gaslight him into into like thinking he's in the wrong but still accepting his apology yeah like whenever any you know uh, any person gets caught in like uh, saying something really messed up they never apologize for like i'm sorry for my backwards thinking regarding the homosexual community or whatever it's always like i'm sorry people were offended by my tweet it's like well that's not you're not apologizing for the tweet you're apologizing because other people thought it was messed up which it is or whatever (laughs) see i 
I feel like I still separate Hanky's apology and those level of non-apologies <laughs> because Hanky is still saying something, the bare minimum in regards to apologizing. Where, yeah. Whereas people who are making like, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, these people are offended by this. That, that's that's not an apology at all. <laughs> yeah, Hanky's at least doing the absolute bare minimum. His heart was at least in the right place, I guess, is, is <laughs> the, the common ground between these two arguments that I think we can find. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was at least sincere, you know, if it was anything. <laughs> Even if it wasn't an apology, it was a sincere, like, it was yeah. at least a sincere, I shouldn't have done that, you know. Yes, Not that he's yeah. sorry for it, but he's like, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> you deserve better than what I did, so... Um, so this kid is still asking for his mint uh, flavor and, and Jason's, it's his only, it's only his second day on the job and he's the only one there. He blows up at George and the kid climbs in the freezer to find some rum raisin, but settles on some daiquiri ice, which neither will be alcoholic, (laughs) but I guess the fact that it will maybe taste like alcohol is enough for a recovering alcoholic. I don't know. And that's pretty much the end of the episode, except we do get, oh wait, no, that, uh, we do get one more scene before the actual end credits. And Elaine is in her apartment with Putty and Peggy and Kramer, and they're all enjoying Kramer's salad and Peggy's new life uh, on the road to recovery as a germaphobe. And then they find out that Kramer, as he says uh, about the salad, I prepared it as I bathed. (laughs) And then everyone gets sick. (laughs) (laughs) And we do get one more scene where George pokes his head into a meeting looking for rageaholics. But Elaine, Putty, and Peggy are there at a germaphobes anonymous meeting. <laughs> and George is like, what are you doing here? And I, does Elaine just say Kramer? I think she just says Kramer, right? Yeah. Kramer. Yep. And, yep. and George is like, say no more. But so he does find the, the Rageaholics meeting. And Jason is there. And George, when he sees that, he immediately starts raging again about how Jason is a step skipper. And <laughs> then Jason starts riffing once again. And uh, getting some laughs about the, he was like, well, Frank, I mean, look at his head. I wouldn't trust him with a V-neck. I mean, he really is like a stand-up comic at this point. He gets more relaxed at the podium, starts like leaning on it in kind of a funny way. He definitely gets into riff mode, which I loved. And and George yells out that he's bebopping and scatting and I'm losing it. And that's the end of the episode. I, I would have loved here. I know we brought it up earlier. This would, and maybe they just didn't have the time, but I would have loved because Pinhead is there. He, <laughs> yeah. He's in the front. Yeah. I would have loved like th- this could have been the time where Pinhead loses it on George. Yeah, where he loses it on George and throws him out or something, but everyone's cool with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, man. Okay, so what do we got for homework next week? Uh, what is Fiza Hex? Has there ever been a Baskin Robbins flavor or any ice cream flavor called Minuteman Mint? And is that DJ from Roseanne who wanted the Minuteman Mint? And that's it. <laughs> okay. Sounds like uh, some some pretty quick stuff. But mm-hmm. again, I said that last week. And then <laughs> uh, everything went to shit with uh, Seinfeld on Netflix. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to it being 45 minutes before we get into the episode <laughs> next week. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? <sighs> good question uh what do we got man i don't know what are I you like, thinking i like kramer in the shower uh, yeah like that's holding good. Up the yellow phone is yeah good. yeah maybe even you can get him like making the salad on the phone in the shower that's pretty funny oh yeah i'll, I'll see what i can do yeah besides that uh you know maybe something jerry and his naked girlfriend you know one of those shots might be funny and, and that's what you're talking <laughs> about like where part of the episode 
dealt with the need to be zoomed in to pull off the camera work to make her look naked yeah. on primetime television. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, okay. Let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So we had, Jerry's girlfriend is naked all day. Period. <laughs> George classes with... Clash- I messed this up at the beginning, too. Mm-hmm. George clashes with a friend who's in recovery. Period. Kramer changes his shower habits. Period. Elaine's co-worker hates germs. <laughs> period. All right. We can definitely make this better. So let's start with Jerry. Can we just say, like, Jerry has a problem with his girlfriend's constant nudity? Do we have to say constant? Jerry, or what about, yeah, Jerry has a problem with his girlfriend's constant nudity? Is that too long, or what do you think of that? It It's pretty long. I feel like for that to work, we have to get rid of, like, two people entirely. Well, let's see. Because I think, was the middle one George demands an apology? Uh, George clashes with a friend who's in recovery. First of all, they're mm. not friends. Yeah, they're definitely acquaintances. I mean, close enough that he was at a party he threw. Yeah years ago but yeah a friends is a stretch you could just uh george what about how well, george expects I feel like we, an apology we might be yeah we might be able to get rid of kramer and elaine because elaine's storyline is kind of minor kramer's is kramer's is pretty minor compared to jerry and george at least mm-hmm. yeah yeah jerry and george i think are the big ones with kramer and elaine sort of being the combined sea story at, at a certain point at the end there. So we could definitely do uh George and Elaine as a combination, George and Elaine. Cause they both go through similar things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It all, it all culminates in those recovery programs, you know, AA rageaholics and germaphobe aholics, yeah. <laughs> germaphobe aholics. So Jerry has a problem with his girlfriend's constant nudity, George and George and Elaine have problems with, yeah, that's so generic. I was going to say have problems with adversaries. I liked it. Well, a clash really brings in that adversarial nature. So you could say George and Elaine clash with acquaintances or whatever you want to say. Uh, yeah. But we have to bring in that recovery. I mean, we could say in recovery, but Peggy's not in recovery till the end. Uh, but, you know, clash with acquaintances who have problems with them. Some way to say that, I guess. Man, I don't know. Let me see if we can steal from... Google one pretty easily because I have it in the old library mm. and the apology. The, while the, while the George Google one is not bad. <laughs> while George demands an apology, Jerry is troubled by a girlfriend's frequent nudity. Honestly, that's pretty great. And and I thought George demands an apology was a good one. I was going to say that anyway. So I kind of like that. Jerry, we can we can take this one or we can say Jerry has problems with his girlfriend's constant nudity. George demands an apology. That's not bad. Yeah. It, it makes it sound um, like they're connected, but I think if we put a nice, you know, period there instead of a comma, because even yeah, in, I, I think that, yeah, I think that works. Yeah. Uh, what is it again? It is. Well, uh, the one we came up with was Jerry has problems with his girlfriend's constant nudity. George demands an apology. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. Cool. It works. Sweet. Okay. So uh, what'd you think of the episode? You know, I, I liked it just all the way through. I thought it was just a good, solid baseline Seinfeld episode. I got a lot of good laughs. It's just a, I, I thought like if you wanted to give somebody a crash course in Seinfeld, this is a great episode to show them like just the style and the pacing and everything about it even has Jerry having a problem with his girlfriend that most people wouldn't have, you know, that old Seinfeld trope we revisit. We haven't seen that in a while, him breaking up with a girlfriend for a dumb reason, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, so, I, yeah, that, I, I definitely, I didn't star it, but it was a, just a, a good, solid episode. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was funny, 
but I didn't start it either because there there was one thing about it that bothered me, and I, I think it's because this plays in to the stereotype that people think of the show. There were five separate seasons, five separate scenes at Monk's that were all pretty much the exact same thing. Jerry and George, or Jerry catching George up about something. (laughs) That happened a lot in this episode. Where it's like, something happens. We see a shot of Monk's from the outside and we hear, oh my god, what, this happened? What? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that comes back to why I thought it was a good textbook episode. Like, if you wanted to teach somebody how to yeah, write a Seinfeld I, episode, I, this is a good way to do it. Right. I I think that's a very good way to describe it. Is <laughs> it? It's a it's a very it's a very formulaic episode. The the formula yeah. that Seinfeld has established over the last eight and a half seasons so far. Yes. Yeah. I'll I'll totally agree with that. And and that I think is. I mean, they were still on top of the world. I'm sure NBC was trying to cram as much ad time as they could into it. And so, you know, <laughs> when you come back from a good TV show, they try to catch you up. So I bet all those monk scenes were like the scene coming back from commercial. Maybe. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh, man. Okay. So next week we have got season nine, episode 10, The Strike, original air date, December 18th. 1997 two days away from my fifth birthday whoa i think um this is next to the closest episode we've ever had (laughs) on my birthday one season i can't remember what it was was on december 19th Uh. and that was the the mid-season break but december 18th is the next closest and if you're looking at tv guy that night you are gonna see frank brings back his holiday festivus period george invents a charity period. Kramer's 12-year strike at a bagel shop ends, period. <laughs> Elaine pursues a free sandwich, period. Wow. Lots lots happens there, but of course, I mean, the key word is Festivus. How familiar Something are tell- you with Festivus? Not very ah. at all. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm familiar with, like, the whole name of it. I'm familiar with there being a pole, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I'm, fam- I'm familiar with, like, uh, the feats of strength Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm familiar with its uh, a festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I'm as familiar as I can possibly be about it without having seen it. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. So it'll be interesting to see if this is remains an iconic episode, if it holds up at all. Uh, sometimes they do, but yeah, I'm excited to revisit this. And, and a great one for, you know, we were looking for a nice iconic episode as people rediscovered Seinfeld. I think this is a great one. Yeah, definitely one that I didn't think would come this late into the run of the show. It's crazy uh, how many great episodes come in season nine where I'm like, God, they're yeah, still firing on all cylinders. Whenever we were looking at episodes to do for like our first Christmas special we did, we're like, yeah. oh yeah, when's the Festivus? That's got to be coming up soon, right? <laughs> and I think we were both dumbfounded to find like, it's in season nine? It's in the last quarter of season nine. <laughs> <laughs> More or less. Maybe the third quarter. Maybe it's the third quarter. But it's definitely in the second half. So yeah, interesting. Be interesting to revisit this. Is that it? I think that's it. Thank God. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Haldewell. Be good. Be good.